0: The message you're about to listen to is a recording from God's favorite house. It is a prayer that you listen. Your life will be transformed, and you will be taken to greater heights in your walk with Jesus. Amen. God bless you as you listen to this message. Knocking at the door. Not unto us, not unto us, but unto Thy name, O Lord, be glory, be power, and dominion. We thank you, O God, for your presence. The Bible says glory and honor are in your presence. Strength and gladness are in your place. The Lord, we look to you this morning, O God. As the eyes of the maid looks to the hands of her mistress, and as the eyes of the servant looks to the hands of his master, so do our eyes look to you this morning, O God. The eyes of all look to you, o God. You give them their meat in their due season. Give us our meat this morning in the name of Jesus. Thank you God for your word that is powerful. The Bible says the voice of the Lord is powerful. The voice of the Lord is upon many waters. The voice of the Lord discovers the forest. The voice of the Lord makes the hinds to calve. The voice of the Lord is majestic. Lord, speak your voice. Let's hear your voice this morning. Thunder from heaven, O God. Let the enemy, O God, quake in defeat. Let your glory overwhelm us, O God. Bring us, O God, into new realms, O God. Thank you for lifting up our countenance. Thank you, Father God. We bless you for a wonderful experience, O God, that we have already begun to have through the worship. Thank you for touching our hands, oh God. And whatever you touch, never remains the same. We give you all the glory. Thank you for a fresh anointing, Lord. Just have your way. In Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you. God bless you. You can be seated, please. Hallelujah. The Bible says in the book of Psalms 29, verse 9, the B part says, it says, In your temple, does everyone speak and declare your glory? We need to declare God's glory. Hallelujah. So wherever you are right now, why don't you declare his glory? Declare the glory of God. Hallelujah. Amen. He says in his temple, everyone speaks of his glory. Speak of God's glory. Thank God for his glory. Thank you for your glory, O Lord. Thank you for your glory. Amen. Father, we thank you for your glory it is the canopy over us this morning. Amen. I'm excited to be here this this morning and excited to be the one who is bringing the word because I can remember and recollect where God brought me from. He brought me from the abyss. He brought me from the valley of degradation. He brought me brought me from hell itself. He brought me from a life that was without him. I was without God and without hope lost, hopeless, but it brought me out. I cried out out to God in my despair and God reached out, his hand snatched me from that pit. I was deep in drug addiction, very, very deep. At a very, very young age, the enemy had tried to destroy my life. One accident after the other, one time was in a shrine for about about a month. Just lived in the shrine of a native doctor. One time, I uh, I was out and I found myself in a shrine where they perform human sacrifice. I don't know how I got there, and God protected me. Accident after accident. About three years of deep drug addiction. There was no way I could come out except God. I cried out to God in my, in my trouble, in my distress. And God brought me out of physical prison. I was bound in prison at the maximum security prison in Kirikiri. And nobody preached to me at the time when my back touched the wall. God supernaturally reached down, and saved my soul. And I made a commitment. I said, when I come out from this place, I will serve you with the whole of my life. And it was a vow and a commitment I made to him. When I came out, amen, I just went straight, like Paul said, straight I began to preach the gospel. Within one year after I came out, I planted my first church. The church grew from just about two people in my living room to about 70 people in the first year. My pastor dedicated the church. About three years later, I was sent out to pastor another church. and I pastored the church and I began to pastor one church after the other. By the sixth year or seventh year of my born again experience from that place, I began to pastor the second largest church in the whole of the denomination, Redeemed Christian Church of God. I was just about 27 years old. 27 years old. It's only God I will have done that work only in seven years. It's only God who will have brought me from that place to this place. Nobody could have done it. I didn't have to go through a former school of. Theology. But it was a commitment I made to God. It was a commitment that God heard, that God answered. One of the scriptures that is the foundation for my walk with the Lord is in the book of Second Peter 1, verse 16. He says, We have not followed divinely, we've not followed divine cable. Oh, sorry, we have not followed, you know, um just statements. Amen. But we are eyewitnesses of his majesty. We're not followers of, you know, cunning, devised fables. But we're eyewitnesses of his majesty. So whatever I'll share with you this morning, I'm not sharing with you from just scriptures. I'm sharing from my own experience. I remember in those days in school, people would say, one times one is this, one times two, one times three, one times four is... People would know it by rote. And that's how many pastors are, many people who preach the word. They just cram a lot of scriptures and pour it out. So, I, I could do that and I could reel out scriptures. But the way God is directing me in my life now is to just speak about your experience. Just show that, you know, this is what God has done for you. Hallelujah. You know, Psalms 18, David said, you are my rock. You are my high tower. You are my bulwark. You are my strength. Now, it would have been okay and appropriate if you just said, you are my light, salvation, bulwark, high tower. It would have been okay. But emphasis sake, my, my, my. Because I've experienced it. So, I I don't know about you if he's that to you, but to me, he's my personal God. Hallelujah, because he's proven himself time and time again. So I'm not using devised fables. I am an eyewitness of his majesty. It is what I have heard, what I have tasted that I declare unto you. Job said, I've heard about you with my ears but I've seen you with my eyes there were people who came to Jesus based on the testimony of a woman who had had a very terrible past but when they came I could see them say to her please move aside now we have heard with our own ears we've seen with our own eyes so thank God because your experience brought us in but it couldn't keep us there there are people who have come to Jesus because of somebody's testimony but it's not enough to sustain you Sustenance is important. Stability is important. Being able to stand strong. The Bible says in the book of Isaiah 33 verse 6, it says wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of our times. We live in a time where things are shifting, shifting so fast. Philosophies are shifting. Ideas are shifting. Amen? Uh, fashion, Fashion is shifting. Emphasis the different kind of fashion. shifting. kind of music we listen to, everything around us is shifting. There are fads. But God says wisdom and knowledge shall be the stability of our times. So we need stability in the midst of the uncertainty around us. Jesus Christ says when he comes, when he comes, when he comes, he says when the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith on the earth? Which means that what he's looking for is faith. He says when I come again, will I still find faith? On the earth, which means that faith would be uncertain. Faith will be very, very, um, it will be very, very rare. That means that people will substitute faith for other things. People will rather trust in their material possession. People will trust in different things, but they will not trust in God because faith will be very, very rare. Some trust in horses, some trust in chariots, but we remember the name of the Lord our God. Those who trust in horses and chariots, they are falling and they are bowed down. But we who trust in the living God, we are risen and we stand upright. So I would rather trust in God than trust in man. Because those who trust in God are like Mount Zion. They cannot be moved. Those who trust in God, the Bible says they are like trees planted by the rivers of water. They are bringing forth their fruits in their season. The Bible says, "As the mountains surround Jerusalem, so does God surround those who trust Him." So I rather trust Him than trust in man. Hallelujah! Because man would disappoint you. I've learned that by experience. David was given two options by God. David, God said to him, David, because David numbered. Bible says Satan provoked David to begin to number the Israelites. David, who had known the power of God, who had, who had been able to defeat Goliath with only a sling and five stones. David, who could testify about how Saul was about to pin him with a sword and God protected him. Amen? Or, or a spear, rather. And David, who could talk about how God led him, amen, from Adullam, amen, Bethel, and different places, amen. David could see how God protected him. He could see God's providence, now David had become king and he established. And the Bible says David began to number how many people were for him. And the Bible says God was very angry with David. That Why at this point in your Christian walk and this point in your faith with God in your walk with God, you've come to the place where you've now began to count people. Now when I brought you out, were you counting people? Was it because of the people that you knew that gave you the victory? And the Bible says God was angry and God gave David to give him some choices and two out of those choices is do you want me to deal with you and destroy you? Amen? Do you want me to plague you or destroy your people? Or do you want to fall into the hands of men? David said I'd rather fall into your hands than fall into the hands of men because men are vicious and merciless. At least you can punish me and after some time you can show me mercy but men are vicious. I've learned that by experience I shared in the first service. Hallelujah. Now, I want us to quickly to go into the word. Go into the word. I just, let's go into the word. I love the word. Bible says, oh, how I love your Lord. They are my meditation all day. First Corinthians. Chapter 10. Oh, how I love your Lord. They are my meditation all day. In God, I put my trust. I will not be afraid of what man can do. He is a rock, very, very dependable, ever-present help in a time of trouble. Though the earth be removed and the mountains be carried into the midst of the sea, there is a river. This river makes glad the city of God. God is in the midst of her. God will help her even before the break of dawn. Hallelujah. God is faithful. Faithful is he who has called you he would do it. He would do it. Say to your neighbor, he would do it. Oh, he would do it. He would do it. He would do it. Oh, say to your next neighbor, amen, he would do it. Hallelujah. I just feel God in this place. Hallelujah. I feel his presence. First Corinthians chapter 10 from verse 1. Moreover, brethren, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. They were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. They did all eat. They did all eat the same spiritual meat. They did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them. That rock was Christ. But with many of them, God was not well pleased. For they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples to the intent of we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. it. Let's read verse 11. Now, all these things happen unto them for examples. That's a repeat of verse 6. Amen? All these things that we are reporting happen for examples and they are written for our admonition or for our learning. Amen? We upon whom the ends of the world are come. We who live at this very crucial time Wherefore, let him that thinketh stand, take it lest he fall. So, this is a teaching tool. If you are in a class, there are some teachers that teach us in those days, when, maybe when we were infants, they want to teach you about, they want to emphasize the color red. So, they will say everything red. Mary has a red shoe. Mary has a red hat. By the time they repeat red, 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 you will go home thinking only red. That's his emphasis. In this scripture, we read the Bible says that everything that happened was examples. And Jesus Christ used examples and illustrations oftentimes. And those examples were to drive home truths so that we can remember them, recollect, and use them in the game or in the in the path of life as we journey through life. Because life is a journey. The Bible says that we are strangers and we are pilgrims. So we're constantly moving. We're constantly evolving. Amen? That means that you must not stay static. You must constantly be moving. Life is a journey. We're strangers. We're pilgrims. Hallelujah. The Bible says when they went from people to people, from nation to nation, the Bible says God rebuked kings for their sake and saying, do not touch my anointed, do my prophets no harm. But I like when it says when they went from nation to nation, from people to people. So they were called to be nomadic, they were called to move, they were called to transition, they were called to evolve. We're constantly evolving. We must never remain static or stagnant. We're constantly evolving, moving from step to step, from stage to stage. Amen? There's a word called metamorpho. And metamorpho simply means to evolve. Amen? To be transformed. Jesus Christ, on the mountain of transfiguration, he showed us how to be transformed. That as he stayed in God's presence, what happened? The Bible says he, he was glistening. He was, amen. The, the, the Bible says that his, his, uh, his countenance was altered. He was very radiant. The Bible says there was no, no soap that could wash clothes that bright. Amen. It, it was even beyond the color of white. Amen. Uh, and the Bible talks about Stephen, how Stephen was being stoned. As an, and as he was being stoned, the glory of God shone through him. So God is doing things today, man, where he's shining his glories, radiating his glory through us. The Bible says we his workmanship, we his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God has ordained before the world that we should walk in them. What does the word workmanship mean? Workmanship simply means that we are God's masterpiece. So God is crafting, God is speaking, God is evolving, God is doing things through us. Hallelujah. You see, God, our God can speak through any means. He can speak whatever way he wants to. Our God is in heaven. He has done whatever he has placed. He can use whatever means he wants to speak with or use whatever method he wants, he wants to communicate his thoughts to. Amen? Through. Can you remember the story of um, a, a king, a king called Cyrus? How many people have ever heard Cyrus? Amen. You know, Cyrus was never saved, but Cyrus was the one who facilitated the building of a temple. Amen? And the empowering of the Israelites to go, the exiles, to go to Jerusalem, to build the walls again and build a temple. But the Bible says that God said, to, to, uh, said concerning um, Cyrus, God introduced Cyrus to us. He said, "Thus said the Lord to Cyrus, my anointed. Amen? Even though he does not know me, but my right hand, I've held his right hand and he would do this, he would do that. He does not know me, he's my anointed. So God can use whoever to be his anointed. If God chooses to use Boko Haram to be his anointed, he will do it. He can use whatever method, whichever way he can, because he's God. He's God all by himself. He does not need permission to be God. Hallelujah. Amen? He can use whatever method. He can use a donkey. He even said that if we cease to praise God, even stones, we praise him. So I I love this God. and You know, this God is a God that you can't confine him to methods. You can't confine God to methodology. You can't confine him to systems. You can't confine him to doctrines and to dogma. God is God. Hallelujah. And I'm happy to be serving a God. A God who can do whatever he wants to do. Move whichever way he wants to move. Sometimes it can be wind. While you're still trying to grasp the fact that he's wind? suddenly he becomes fire. While you're still trying to understand that he's fire, suddenly he becomes rain. Sometimes he becomes flood. You know, that's God. He, 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 God is diverse. Hallelujah. That's the God that you serve. God who's limitless. Limitless. Amen? You can't measure him. You can't wrap your hands, arms, arms around him. He's limitless. Hallelujah. The Bible talks about his surpassing riches. Paul said somewhere in the book of Ephesians, he said that the surpassing, that I'm, I'm praying that I would understand the surpassing riches. He said that, you know, he's so rich that even in the wars to come, we'll still be trying to figure out the surpassing riches of his grace. The surpassing riches of his kindness, of his mercy. Is so rich that he's unsuitable. He's surpassing. He's exceeding. He's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above Oh, that you can ask or think according to the power that is at work in you and that power that is at work in you it can't be quantified. It can't be measured. He says that same power is the power that God used to raise up Christ from the dead. That same power lives in you. Paul said that I'm praying, oh, that I may know, oh, that I may know him. Oh, that I may know that power that is at work in me. The enemy has no answer for you. The enemy has no answer for God's people. Even the angels themselves are looking and they're saying, what is this? What is man that God is mindful of him? What is the son of man that God visits him, that God tries him every moment? What is it about this one? So angels are baffled, devils are baffled. Even humans are baffled that God can lay his hands upon a man and raise him up from nothing. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. As we look at the scripture, God uses this as examples. As examples, He says that the Israelites they journeyed in the wilderness, and He says that their journey, that they were baptized in that journey. They were baptized in the cloud, they were baptized in the sea, amen. And the word baptism, amen. Baptism means it's a word baptize, which means to be submerged, to be overwhelmed, to be covered, to be buried. So there are different kinds of baptisms because baptism is a doctrine. And doctrines means that you must follow it, you must adhere to them. The Bible says that they follow the apostles' doctrine. The doctrine, amen, is important. The doctrine is like saying that this is what we believe. God says that there are fundamental doctrines that we cannot move away from, that we must first of all master them before we move on to the next level. And the fundamental doctrines of our Christian faith. Hebrews 6 verse 1 says, let us move on to perfection. But first of all, let us lay the foundation of repentance from dead works. Faith towards God. Eternal judgment. Amen? And leaning of hands. Resurrection from the dead. And doctrine of baptisms. Let me just digress for just a minute. I like when the Bible talks about the gifts of the spirit and it said the gift of the gifts of healing. Now the other gifts are one, a singular gift of speaking in tongues, prophecy, but gifts of healing which means that there are different kinds of gifts of healing. Somebody can be somebody who can be used in the area of eyes popping out. He might not have the gift of the lame walking or heal the, the lame walking. So there are different gifts. In the same way, baptism, there are different kinds of baptism. But all of them simply means to be immersed, to be submerged. Now, in those days when we were in school, we had, you know, these boiling rings that we attached to our buckets. And when we were in boarding house. And really, they tell you, do not submerge, do not baptize, or do not, do not submerge in water. Which simply means, do not baptize it. Amen? Because it might be dangerous to you. So to be baptized means to be overwhelmed. So there are different kinds of baptism. One of them is water baptism, which God instructs us. For, for John the Baptist to center his message about around water baptism, that means that he was very, very important. He says, repent and be baptized. That was his message. And based on that, the Bible says that people were coming from the north, south, east, and west. He did not need billboards. He didn't need to advertise his church. But God began to just bring people from all around. Amen? And look at his message. His message was not conventional. He was cursing them out, so to speak. He was saying, you generation of vipers. But still, they were coming. Hallelujah. He he was saying, who wanted to flee from the wrath to come? Imagine what kind of church can grow with that kind of message. But still, they were coming because they needed salvation. And you know, he was far away, amen? He was like, um, well, I don't know which which place, but hinterland. But yet, people were finding a way there because people were looking for truth. And there's a world out there that's looking for truth. You might not know, but they are craving for truth. If they see truth, if if they see something that is authentic, they will go for it. If they see something that is genuine, they will go for it. Now there are so many fakes, so many imposters, but what the world needs today is truth. Hallelujah. You know, the Bible says that we, we we should not be like wells without water. A well without water is you know, when you go to a well and you think that you can get water, clean water, and there's no water in it, it's frustrating. But when you, when you wake up, you know, you come out and then the, 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 the cloud, you know, the sky looks balmy. Amen. The clouds are gathering. And so you, you get yourself ready, your raincoat and all that. And yet doesn't rain. It's frustrating too. Amen. And so the Bible says that there are people who are like wells without water. They are like the clouds that are gathering without rain. That's in the book of Peter. So the world is out there looking for water. But we must give them the water they need. The world is looking for rain. We must give them the rain that they need. In other words, there must be substance behind our claim. Everything that you believe, everything that you claim, everything that you say, you will be tested for it. If Abraham, the Bible says, God said, Abraham, take your son, your only son whom you love, your only son, emphasis, your only son whom you love, and take him to Mount Moriah. And after that experience, when God spoke and said, no, don't kill, don't kill that child, and you say, Abraham, Many, many of us will have still killed that child because we'll have said, you know what, God told me to take my son there. So how can this God say, no, no way, no, he will have, still, he will have killed his son. But he knew God's voice. What makes our Christian experience powerful is that we know God's voice. We won't say, well, God said this to me so, because God can change it. Hallelujah. Amen. So that means that we live by the progressive word of God, by the proceeding word of God. God's word proceeds. Hallelujah. So, but Abraham, after taking his son there and he didn't kill the boy because God said, God now said, now I know that you love me indeed because you know we tell your son. Which means that it was God testing him to see that indeed your claim is your claim true. Oh, I'm born again. Oh, are yeah, you speaking tongues? Is your claim true? Because God will bring circumstances around you to show or to display if your claim is true. Some time back, I used to say this to my wife. You know, I was telling her, you know, this, this I've noticed in you. I don't like this. Da, da, da. And my wife took me back years before when that same thing was so evident in my life and gave me and traced it to where I was. And you know what? I couldn't see anything anymore. Because that means I had not mastered that area. And it made me become less judgmental. Because the areas you think you have mastered, you might not have mastered it. Hallelujah. And the enemy fights you in the areas of your weakness, not in the areas of your strength. So, it's important that you begin to perfect the areas of, a, of your weakness. That's why it says, let him that thinketh the stand take it less he fall. So, in, in my own experience right now, I'm less judgmental. I, I'm, I'm freer. So, that's why I like this church. I like the pastor. I like the, you know, I, I wish I didn't bring my tie. I wish I didn't wear my tie. I wish I could go back home when I came to the church. I wish I could just drive back, you know, and just change. Amen. I wear my jeans or my shorts. So, I like this free atmosphere. Hallelujah. Amen. Now, this, so I was talking about baptism. Water baptism is important. Then, we also have baptism in the Holy Ghost, which is being filled with the Spirit of God, which means to be submerged. Now, water baptism, we don't do, we don't sprinkle water. That's not baptism. That's not being submerged. We, we dip you in the water and we bring you out. Now, there are all kinds of conflicting statements, whether it's baptize you in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Ghost, or baptize them in the name of Jesus. It doesn't really matter about that. Amen? Let's move beyond that. Let's not split hairs. Now, but when it comes to Holy Ghost baptism, it's still the same principle of you being overwhelmed with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. So, if you are not... Speaking in tongues. If, you don't, if you're not baptized in the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in other tongues, you need to. You need to crave for it. You need to ask for it. And if you ask for it, it's yours. Because the Bible says in Acts 2 verse 38, it says, repent. You shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. This promise is for you. It's for your children. It's for as many as the Lord our God shall call. So don't say, well, my own gift is not speaking in tongues, but I'm filled with the Holy Spirit, but I I, that's not my gift. No, every single person that is, that is born again should have the experience. Now, you, you can see there are people who pay lots of money. They've, they may, maybe they've, they've seen, they've fulfilled many of their fantasies. They've, they've um, bought yachts, they have bought Ferraris. They've seen all this, you know, but they are now tired. They say, I want to go to the moon. So, they pay maybe a million dollars to go to the moon. But even though it's for a few minutes experience, but you know what? They have to dress appropriately for where they're going. Amen? They would do some simulation, first of all, before they go there. In the same way, you cannot operate in this life without a suit on the suit of the Holy Ghost because this is what is built for is built for this terrain the gift of the Holy Spirit is built for our terrain this world that we live in now because there are so many things happening you can't send your children out uh, to school without filling them with Holy Ghost because what they see there is different you can't even go out you know on, on your business pursuit without being filled with Holy Ghost because you don't know what the other man has there are people who are dedicated to their Hare Krishna, to their Muhammad, to different things, to Buddha. Amen. And we Christians say, as the spirit leads. It's a cop out. We need to be able to stand toe to toe with them. We need to be confrontational. The church is confrontational. The church was meant to be confrontational. The Bible says, whatever a man is overcome of, the same is it brought in bondage to the church must be confrontational. John the Baptist was confrontational. You need to confront confront the status quo, confront the system, confront the powers that be. Because you have God's power on the inside of you. The Bible says, how come you do you err not knowing the scriptures, nor the power of God? In the scriptures, that's where God's power is. So if you digest the scriptures, if you eat the scriptures, you have God's power living and resident within you. Hallelujah. So you need to be filled with Holy Ghost. Now, let's move on. There is a baptism called baptism by fire. Just as the Christian A Christian needs to be baptized in water, needs to be baptized in the Holy Spirit. He has to, whether he likes it or not, it is is incumbent on him that he has to be baptized by fire. That is the one that we don't want anything to do with. And I want to read this scripture to you, amen? The book of Matthew 20. It's also in Mark 10, verse 35 to 45. Actually, let me read Mark 10, verse 35. It's the same thing, but I think I, I like it the way it is here. Hallelujah. And James and John, the sons of Zebedee, came unto him, saying, Master, we would that you would do for us whatever we desire. And he said unto them, What do you want that I should do for you? And they said unto him, Grant unto us that we may sit one on your right hand and the other on your left hand in your glory. And Jesus said unto them, You know not what you are asking for. Can you drink of the cup that I shall drink of? Can you be baptized with the baptism that I shall be baptized with? And they said unto him, we can. And Jesus said unto them, well, you don't have a choice in this matter. You shall indeed drink of this cup. You don't have a choice in this matter. You will be baptized. Whether you like it or not, it's inevitable. It is part of your walk with God. It's a requirement for where you are going. Hallelujah. It's a requirement for higher service. So, So, you know what? You don't, I don't even, it's not optional. Amen? It's not something that you can choose. You don't have any choice in the matter. You shall be baptized. But to grant you to sit on my right on my left, that I have no control over. That's what he was saying. So, as a Christian, you will experience the baptism of fire. Now, when we talk about baptism, let's, let's look at baptism and let's look at the scripture we read earlier on. It says they were baptized in the cloud. They were baptized in the sea. So, which means that as a journey, the cloud that covered them, that overwhelmed them was God's protection. As they journeyed in the day, the pillar of cloud covered them. What was the pillar of cloud to do for them? It was to shelter them. It was to give them warmth. Amen? Because it was always very, very, very hot during the day. So, it was to give them to, a cooling effect. So, they were carrying their own temperature into that hot place. Now, in the night, there was a pillar of fire that covered them, that overwhelmed them, that baptized them. That was God giving them a cooling effect, amen? Or rather, God giving them a warm experience because it was extremely cold at night. So, which means that wherever you go, God wants you to take your own temperature there. So, it doesn't matter if the place is evil, you can take your own temperature into that place. That means that you can say, you know what, I'm going to be here, but I refuse to partake of the spirit that is in this place. That is what Daniel did. Daniel went into Babylon. Babylon was the place where the new age, the new age mentality, the new age mindset, the headquarters of the new age was. Amen? And the king's palace is always the worst place because it's the center itself. But Daniel said, I will be in this Babylon. I will be in this place, but I refuse to eat the food of Babylon. I refuse to think like Babylonians. I refuse the system of the Babylonians. I will be here. God will use me. Amen. But I will operate in the kingdom because the kingdom lives within me. I will express the kingdom. I have received the kingdom. Bible says, therefore, sin, therefore, we're receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. Hebrews 12. Amen. Verse 28 and 29. We're receiving a kingdom which cannot be moved. Wherefore, let us have grace that we may worship God acceptably with reverence and godly fear for our God is the consuming fire so Daniel operated in that place that evil place with his own pillar of cloud with his own pillar of fire that means that Daniel was saying I can't be influenced but rather I will influence so I'm called to be an influencer hallelujah hallelujah I'm called to be a dominator. I know who I am. I know what I have on the inside of me. So I can't be overrun. I can't be overcome. I can't be overwhelmed. I cannot be put out. I can't be put down because I have something on the inside of me. Say to your neighbor, you have something. Jeremiah reminds me, I love Jeremiah. Jeremiah got to a place where he said to God, God, I am tired. I don't want to go on anymore. I'm overwhelmed. And God said to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, stop talking like that. Jeremiah said, God, that your help is very inconsistent. Sometimes it comes like a mighty like a flood, amen. And then sometimes it's as dry as it's as dry as a desert. Lord, I don't want to speak anymore. And God said to Jeremiah, Jeremiah, I've not called them to influence you. I've called you to influence them. If you cease talking like, if you stop, if you don't stop talking like this, I'll remove my words from your mouth and you'll cease to be my spokesman. That's the book of Jeremiah 15. So, the bottom line is, I've not called them to dictate how far you go. That boss can't dictate, can't tell you that if you don't do this, he will sack you. He can't. It's not in his power. That lecturer can't say, if you don't sleep with me, then X, Y, Z. You can't graduate. It's not in his power. Hallelujah. Your, the, 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 your, your life is not hindered. on anybody. Nobody can make a threat to you, amen, and, and, and it will come to pass. Who is it that said that they come to pass when God has not decreed it? It's what God has decreed that will come to pass. So I live by the unction from above. God is one who says it, and when God says it, is settled. Forever, oh God, your word is settled in heaven. Hallelujah. I've come to, I've I've tested it and I've seen that God indeed can do it and God will do it. The reason why I'm standing before you today and not somebody else is because God has done it for me. He's done it for me. You know, God wants you to overcome whatever challenges that face you. I know the story in the book of um, Joshua, where Joshua was sent out. Or Joshua was going to fight against these five kings. And um, in his fight against these five kings... The Bible says that the way God defeated the enemy was hailstones. Hailstone bombs from heaven. And um, these five kings, the Bible says that Joshua put them in a cave, first of all. Said, I will not be distracted. I will, first of all, defeat all these guys first. All the people who are fighting. The people people who are under you, I will defeat them first. And so the Bible says that Joshua said to the sun, sun stand still. Moon, don't move over Aijalon. Amen? And it happened to be so. And the Bible says there's never been any time when God has answered, God God has harkened to the voice of a man like he answered Joshua. And the Bible says and when those guys were all defeated now Joshua now went and faced these five kings and brought them out and specifically he put the way he killed them was put his feet on their necks. I've heard that tigers when tigers fight, when tigers want to kill their prey, they go for the neck. Because once you cut off flow, what happens? The animal will die. So it doesn't go for the legs. Amen? It doesn't go for the belly. It goes for the neck. And that's what the enemy too tries to do. To cut off your life source. Most of us, our life source is our prayer life. Your life source is your word life. So when you begin to get rusty, when your desire for God's word is no more there, when prayer becomes a boring thing, when prayer becomes a chore, the enemy has taken, cut you off, cut out, cut off your flow. So, whatever you have to do, you got to do, amen? Make sure you are in a place of prayer. As I evolve in my story, I will let you know that indeed God had to use whatever way possible to get me back on track. Hallelujah. So, Joshua put his feet on their necks. I have come to a place where I am putting my feet on the enemy's neck. No matter what he throws against me, I'm putting my feet on the enemy's neck. Because you are called to overcome. And if we talk about the word overcome, overcome means that you fought against something and you won. The Bible says they overcame the devil by the, word of, by, by the blood of the Lamb, by the word of a testimony, and by not loving their lives unto death, by not shrinking back even when death confronted them. He says this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Because whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. And your faith is important to overcome the enemy. Faith is important. You've got to lift up that shield of faith to quantify that of the wicked one. You need faith to operate in this world today because your faith will always overcome the enemy. When it says overcome, in the book of Revelation, it says, he that overcome it, he that overcome it, he that overcome it. That overcome it. it was like being repetitive. He that overcome it are given power over the nations. Revelation 2.26 and he shall rule them. He that overcome it I will give him power. Amen? He will not be hurt of the second death. He that overcome it shall eat of the the tree of life. He that overcome it I will give him a new name. Why is he saying that over and over again? Because it is not easy to to overcome. But overcoming is very deliberate. Overcoming is purposeful. It doesn't just come to you. There's nothing. Listen to me very well. There's nothing that is given to you. You've got to take it. Nothing is given to you. I'm saying it again. But you've got to take it. Joshua's testimony. Read Joshua 11. You see, Joshua took the hills. Joshua took the valleys. Joshua took this. He took that. He had to take and they are repeating the word. Took, 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 took. Because you've got to take it. This kingdom, for you to take, for you to seize the kingdom, you've got to take it by force. Because this kingdom is enjoying violent asshole. And every share, like the amplified Bible says, every share of this heavenly kingdom is sought for, is fought for with most ardent zeal and intense exertion. The militant church, the church is coming for. The church that is that is error free, the church that is militant, the church that is strong, that is without wrinkles, the church without spots, without blemish, that church must be militant. When we talk about militancy, we're talking about when you speak, you speak with militancy, your voice is powerful. Your voice, you know, resounds in the spirit. When the enemy hears your voice, he's afraid because the Bible says the, the voice of the Lord is powerful. Amen? Bible says strangers shall be afraid out of their close places. They shall hear your voice and they shall submit themselves to you. Through your God we push down our enemies. Through your name we tread them under that rise up against us. Through our voice. When we talk about militancy we're talking about your prayer life. You're not just praying and whispering. You don't just lie down on your bed and be praying. You've got to rise up and pray. Pray with aggression. Pray like some, somebody who needs something from God. That widow who wanted something from God. She didn't just, she, she didn't just whisper. He said, avenge me, O God, of my adversaries. The way she prayed, the Bible said, Jesus Christ said, wait. This, the way this woman is praying, she really needs something from God. She's, she really, really, really needs something from God. Let, let, let's answer her. Jesus Christ says, when the Son of Man comes, shall he find faith? In other words, shall he find people who are still praying like this woman? Because the way she prayed showed that she had faith. So if you say you are a man of faith and you don't pray like that, then you don't really have any faith. Hallelujah. This, this militant church, they, they, when they worship, they worship God with militancy. They worship God with a roar. Because the kind of, the kind of sound that comes from heaven, the Bible says it's like the pounding of many, many rivers. Pounding of many, many waters. It's like, it says, I heard a voice from heaven. It was like pills of thunder. How many people have gone to Niagara Falls before? Okay, but okay, I'm sure there are other falls around. Now, just imagine the pounding of many, many, many waterfalls. That's the kind of worship that goes on in heaven. And that's the kind of worship that God wants you to have. Paul and Silas, when they were in prison, the Bible says they were not very cultures or very, very cultured people. The Bible says they prayed, they sang praises unto God, the rest of the prisoners heard them. Now, a lot of us will have said, let's be very, very considerate. We have neighbors. We have fellow prisoners, amen, who are sleeping. So let us be very, very considerate and act like cultured people. They didn't do that. The Bible says the rest of the prisoners heard them. It was that kind of praise that caused chains to be broken. That caused prison doors to be flung wide open. So when you begin to praise like that, amen, all the chains that the enemy has tried to wrap you around with, they are broken in Jesus' name. Those grave clothes that the enemy has tried to tie you up with, they are broken in the name of Jesus. Amen. The things that the enemy has tried to hold you down with, habits, mindsets, mentality, oppression, they'll be broken from you in the name of Jesus. Because the Bible says oppression shall be far from you. You shall be established in righteousness. Terror shall not come near you. And that God will justify you. He that justified me is near. He will justify you. Now, I had my own baptism of fire a few years ago, which I just came out from. And I believe that's one of the things that God says I should share more now in this next few days uh, because it was experiential for me. While I was going through it, it was not an easy experience at all. The Bible says every sacrifice shall be salted with fire. So every sacrifice we present to him, God says that he will receive it by fire. So if you say to God, God, my life is in your hands, that's that's a sacrifice. The Bible says that we are living sacrifices. That sacrifice that you offer to God, which is your life, God says that he will sort it with fire. So in my own life, I could say, Well, 20 23, 24 years ago, I said to God, God, use me, whichever way you want to use me, Lord, use me, amen, that my life is now in your hands and we can sing all those songs but there will be a time when indeed God will say and now, I really want to use you and he will begin to take away the entrapments and things that you, you leaned on, which you never thought you, you were leaning on, but he will begin to take all those things away from you. He will take all those scaffolding, all those things that were crutches he would take them away and say, really, indeed, do you really love me? He brought me to that point. Um, and we, had, we have a very thriving church in Boston. It um, used to be one of the most influential churches pastored by an African. Um, we, we had people from different nations who came. God's word to me when I traveled to America. When I left this 3,000-member church was to go into my living room and start a church. But he told me when I was leaving that I've called you to be leader of the nations, head of the nations. And I didn't know how that scripture was going to come to pass. All I just knew was to take one step before the other. So we started our church in that city. And uh, from my living room, we began to use different venues, hotels. And then eventually he gave us this building. And the building was magnificent. A building we didn't work for. God says, I will give you things that you never worked for. He says, I will give you lands. I will give you houses filled which you didn't fill. I will give you olive trees, vineyards planted which you didn't plant. Amen? He says, I will give you the labors of the people. You shall inherit the labors of the people. I will give you the lands of the hidden. Amen? God says that, he says, I will bring you into a harvest that you did not even labor for. He says, other men have labored and you've entered into their labor. So, there was a building that if it was four floors right there in the midst of the city that God gave us in the midst of the city. Prime property. They gave us for little or nothing. I don't want to go, go into the whole story. We were paying just little for it. Four floors. And everything that was in that building was ours. They gave it to us. It was the church that occupied that place. So it was our building for seven years. And then calamity struck. We always had people from different nations who come to our church. Maybe they are on a short-term course or long-term course maybe in Harvard, MIT, or any of those Ivy League schools. Uh, and uh, the, where, the, where the church was, was, um, was, a, real, was a center, a, 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 a converging point in the city where you have all the, you have the Ivy League schools just around. You have the um, Chinatown in that same place. You had the homosexual district. And it's a it's the, it's the state that first of all legalized homosexuality. And so, you now have in the midst of that state, again, you have the little geographical area. So, our church was right there, amen, with those people. So, and then it was the financial district and then it was also the theater district. So, we're right there in the midst of everything. It was not a residential place at all. So, in that place where we were, having a lot of people come in, you know, leaders in different nations, God began to open doors for us to travel to different countries, even remote countries like Rwanda, Tanzania, Netherlands, you know, uh, all those different places to go and preach the gospel. So, because of that, I, I felt that it was time for us to raise up leaders who would begin to be positioned in the church so that I could go and do this thing because it's God's calling for my life. And I, as I began to travel, there was once I was going to travel, so I was going to appoint these leaders in the church and this particular couple thought they were going to be the leaders and or they were going to be among the leaders in the church being ordained. And it happened to be that they were not. And so, they felt that they were the ones that were bankrolling the church. They felt that it was them. They owned the church, so to speak. And because they were very, very close to us, because we gave them platform, people believed whatever they had to say because we we drew them so close. So, they, they went with anger and they began to poison other people. And they, first of all, poisoned the leaders. And it happened to be that I was traveling for a long time because sometimes I put my trip into a particular season. So I was going to be traveling for about two months before I said, okay, let me ordain these people before I go on my trip. So after the ordination and I went on my trip, the, some of the leaders now began to send out seculars email, every which way they could to poison the heart of people. So there were blatant lies, spurious lies, very, very vicious. And people are very prone to believe whatever anyone says about the pastor. And um, it was terrible that when I came back from my trip, my church was 95% empty. So, we still had to run the services and run all our programs and our projects with very, very little resource. So, guess what? I had to begin to put my own resource. I began to do everything possible to make sure that nobody sees this, um, this hole outside. That nobody sees this issue from outside. So, we were doing a lot of work of just patching it, just, patching, just going through but it was not easy because at the same time, my assets were at stake, my capitals, different things that I, that I had, everything was put into the work. I began to lose them one after the other. I lost my assets, I lost my capital, I lost businesses, I lost a lot of money, millions of dollars. It got to a point where I became very, very, very suicidal. Very, very depressed. Discouraged. Despondent. The only reason why I could go on was because I knew that God called me. So this is my revelation. This is my situation. My situation does not match my revelation. So what will I believe? I'm this man in the middle vacillating. God said, but this is what I see. So, because of that, some days I will enter into my car from Boston. I will crank my engine and I will drive for about 500 miles. I will weep to the the two ways. Not crying, but weeping. That God, I obeyed you. How how, How come this has happened to me? I can't understand it. I've lost everything. The only thing I have are my books and my family. That's all. God, why will this happen to me? And why was the, the most I said, why? That was what I constantly said, why? Because it didn't make any sense to me. I couldn't piece things together. Now, to somebody say, oh, you know, it's just one of those things, they are materials. No, it's, just, it's not just materials, it's your reputation, your name, everything that you stand for. But. How did I come out of it? How how did I come out of this baptism of fire? I thank God for my wife. The reason why I can never divorce my wife. The reason why I can never have an extramarital relationship is I saw somebody give her life for me. It was very, very practical. She's beautiful on the outside, but even much more beautiful on the inside. When I met her, she was pastoring... Hallelujah. Pastor said, President of Sovereign Army. She wasn't President. She was the pastor, the first pastor of the fellowship, the, the Sovereign Army, the Fellowship of the Redeemed Christian Church of God in Unilag. Amen. They started it with about five people, five to ten people. And it grew within one year to a thousand people. So I did not marry a pastor's wife. I married a pastor. And she was born again gave before me. So while I was going through this fire, the only time I opened my Bible for over two years was when I come before my congregation to, to preach. Because I had to preach. The only time I read my Bible, that was the only time I read my Bible. The only time I prayed, I didn't even pray before I blessed my food anymore. Prayer was something that was far, far behind me. Meanwhile, I was a man of prayer. But You can get so bogged down, so depressed, just despairing. Paul said, Paul got to that place where he said in the book of 2 Corinthians 1 verse 8. He says, we will not fail to remind you of things that happened to us in Asia. How we were pressed above measure and beyond strength to the point where we despaired of life. But the the bottom line says, but we felt the centers of death in ourselves. So that we don't trust in ourselves, but trust in the living God who raises the dead. So the reason why, what the, the aftermath was that I believed God and God raised me up. He raised me up from death, from hell. Because if I died in that position, I would have gone to hell. Now the Bible says in the book of Psalms 138 verse 8, David said, though I walk in the midst of trouble, he says, that will revive me. He says, when I walk through, Isaiah said, when I walk through the fire, he's not talking about some fire, he said, when I walk through the fire, I am with you. You shall not be burnt. He says, when you pass through the river, rivers will not overwhelm you because I am with you. So I knew what it was to walk through the fire because when you've lost everything, like a Job story, and you have nothing anymore, and then your friends, you call them and none of them wants to even reply your call. None of them wants to reach out to you. When nobody invites you to come and preach, where you become almost literally insignificant, inconsequential, where you just know that the only thing I can do is just walk with God because sometimes all I just feel God do is not a single word but just comfort. And somebody told me your, your wilderness has lasted for too long while I was going through it. But every day my wife prayed for me. She'll pray. She saw me in that position. She said the reason why I married you was because you were a man of God. But the very thing that makes you a man of God is gone. So, so, what do I do in that position? Just, some days she will travel across continents for one full month, just praying, my husband, Lord, help him. Some days she will be without food for half of the year, for over two years, she, was, she didn't eat, just fasting and praying. I, didn't, I wasn't even fasting anymore. I used to normally fast for 40 days without food, you know, 28 days, 21 days. It was normal. It's part of the system where I grew up in. It's part of what you ought to do. Some days if I fasted till 12, it was as if, man, I was going to die. There was not, bottom line, I was not interested in anything spiritual. I'd rather watch basketball. I'd rather watch soap operas than pray. Because God, I I, I gave gave everything. I, I was married to the church. I was more devoted to the church than even my own family. Now, how can I be devoted to the church, and then the church now turns its back on me? So it's disappointing. And many times I sacrificed my own family, my, even my own wife, for the church. So when the accusation came against me, it was more against her, just to cripple her. But she kept on praying for me. So if I say how did I come out of it, it's not because I fasted or I prayed, I worshipped God, or I did. It was because somebody decided to stand the gap for me. She stood in the gap. She held the hand of God and she put her hand on me and prayed for me. Prayed me out of that situation. Prayed me out of that depression. Prayed me out of that suicidal spirit. Prayed me back into hope again. Prayed me back into strength again where I can stand before you today not as a casualty, not as a victim, but as a victor. Rise up on your feet. Can you stand up? Hallelujah. I want you to take somebody, take somebody, take somebody, take somebody by the hand. I want you to pray for one person. I don't know what battle that person is fighting. But you can stand in the gap for that person. Maybe that person is going through his own baptismal fire right now. Or maybe he might go through it later. Or maybe he's just gone through it so he needs to be resuscitated. He needs revival. He needs new life whichever position you are in of these three categories, I want you to pray for your neighbor or pray for that person right now. Let's pray, let's pray. Take that as a project this morning.